What happens when a preacher and a science teacher discuss today's world from a biblical perspective? You're about to find out. This is Beaker and Pulpit Podcast. But you see, when you when you talk about a Christian worldview, how are we supposed to view such non-logical, goofy thoughts like this coming from the higher-ups? How are we really supposed to view this? And, and you know, the interesting thing is the first thing that popped in my mind is Jesus. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's going, Lord, remove this cup from me. I know what's going to happen. I don't want to do it. Yeah. But he says, not my will, but your will. And I think ultimately we as Christians – because it's not breaking any laws, it's not breaking any rules, it's not um, going against any biblical beliefs at all. Guess what we got to do? Not my, not my will, <laughs> but hey, my boss—that's what is paying me. So I'm gonna. Yeah, I mean, I'm Paul. Do it, you know? Paul spoke about that too, right? That to be something to someone else mm-hmm. in order to, you know, share love and faith with them, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think we can do that. You're, you're th- putting others first, mm-hmm. right? So, but I don't think that that negates the opportunity to have a conversation about logic and science and well, well, true, all the rest of it. And and, and you know, I, I think the science part is so important that you know we we talk about in these times. Oh, we need to follow the science. Well, it's not so much we have to follow the science; it's being able to read and understand what we're reading and being able to think and being able to put pieces together. And, you know, I, I know way too many uh, people have gotten out of high school and they, they find out, oh, you're a science teacher. Oh, you teach biology. Oh, man, I, you know, barely got out of there or whatever. That was too much for me. And, and people view science as some sort of elite type of um, education when, in fact, we eat, sleep, and breathe science every second of our lives. Right. So why why do we put it up on a pot pedestal of saying, oh, man, that was just too much for me or, or whatever, when that, that's who we are, you know, under, to, to understand cells and, and atoms and and all the interaction between all the body systems, and that's who we are and how we interact with society, with our environment. Yeah. You know, um, I, I I don't understand how people would, would come come away with that. But you see, I that's my viewpoint. You see, I I like science. Right. So you're intrigued by it, and yes, it, it probably came naturally yeah. for you, whereas some other people. You know, maybe the the languages or the arts or even math instead of science or, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes that you, you know, you know it, it's almost this foreign language, foreign concept that they really had to struggle with because they were more inclined in some other area. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't know if there's something like that for you where you, you say, yeah, science came easy and I'm super intrigued by it. But this other thing, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it may be, you know, I can't play the guitar, or I can't sing or uh, maybe you're a dancer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you say science comes easy to me. Uh, actually, it 
didn't. Well, I don't know if it did or not, but you know, uh, I mean, <laughs> Mr. O'Rourke, my high school biology teacher, would say, "No, it didn't come easy for him." Right. But I think over time, as one, um, as I grew and matured, and my interest were into, I, I was intrigued, and I really liked biomes and plants and animals. And so when I got to actually study that, mm-hmm. that really started um, stirring things up inside of me to say, hey, you know, I, I, I like this. I like learning about those interactions of things yeah. and, and how, how it works and, and, and see the beauty to it. Right. You know, and, and I know everyone's different. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people do a great job working with their hands. Man, they can, I, I see those guys, man, they got chainsaws on a block of wood. And the next thing you see is this beautiful work of art that they've just right. done. You're going, wow. How, how? And they could see it before they formed it, right? Exactly. Yeah. And those people do like eye sculptures or even with metals and all that, you know, they can see it and they can picture it. And even if they can't see the final product, they understand the direction they need to go yeah. to get there. Yep. You know? And I, I and so when it comes to science and, and me more with the environment and, and things like that, that's where I lean a lot heavier towards. I just see God just how in the world do you make these plants here are for our good and those are not. And those animals are for our good, but yet we can interact yep. in, in a way that we help each other, not just survive, but to thrive. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, I'm like, wow, and I see this. And, you know, it, and it fills me with excitement. Sure. You know, I you know, I, I know you're, you're a guy that works with your hands and, and, you, and your mind and, and I don't know if you realize those kinds of things in your career field or not, but... You know, one of the things, even today, I had the opportunity just to do a little bit of woodworking, not much. Um, But every time I do, I think to myself, this is why Jesus was a carpenter. Yeah. Right? There's just (laughs) something special about that to me. Yeah. Just to take, you know, what is kind of this formless lump of wood Mm -hmm. um, and turn it into something beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, And the whole process, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's, whether it's, you know, the rough cuts or the finished cuts or the sanding and planing, Mm -hmm. staining. You know, I love stains and clear coats because it just brings out the natural beauty in that wood. Um, But yeah, so doing that is just, there, it's. I don't get the opportunity to do it very often, mm-hmm. um, but in that moment, I think, man, this is. There's just beauty in it, mm-hmm. right? And the, and there's and I feel this sense of satisfaction um, when I have the opportunity to do it, and even in kind of simple things mm-hmm. too. Now, that requires hard work, though, doesn't it? Oh, sure, yeah. But it it's not hard work, like mentally draining like oh man i gotta do this it's hard work uh no it's more like i get to help form and shape this wood into whatever your final product is going to be yeah and that that gives energy to you sure yeah it was actually the last thing last task i had to do today Mm -hmm. and the rest of my tasks today were things that i didn't really enjoy doing mm-hmm. and so it was kind of nice to have that at the end of the day and yeah. you know, my last two hours of my day where i you know i got to do something that i really enjoyed 
Um, you know, you mentioned biomes in the mm-hmm. beginning of this discussion. That's kind of where we ended our discussion last time. Yes. Um, and we were talking about, you know, being renewed by the trans- transforming of our mind. And we talked about that idea, that word metamorphosis. Mm-hmm. And, and our conversation was kind of leaning that way before we wrapped up. And so um, I didn't know if you had thoughts of, you know, we were, we were the renewing of your mind and the metamorphosis of your mind. That's, you know, you are one thing and you become something completely different. Um, you know, as we talked about that, you know, just from the, the perspective from science, from biology, um, you know, where does that take you in your, in your thoughts and in, in your relationship with God and in your Christian worldview? Because we see that metamorphosis occur biologically in some creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and let's, let's let that kind of conversation <laughs> take us to the next spot. So are there, are there Obviously, as a biologist, um, you know, you understand the creatures that go through a metamorphosis. They are one thing. They become something completely different. I think the most common, maybe overused example is the caterpillar to the butterfly, right? Of course. Um, But, you know, is that, you know, I've heard that it's like almost you get to see evolution in real time. You know, I've heard that explanation before. Um, where you can see one creature becoming something completely different, although you know in their the structure of their DNA that's built in. So I don't know that mm-hmm. they're that it's the same thing as macroevolution. But talk to us about that a little bit. Well, uh, today in class I showed a, a video of a salamander, uh-huh. and the video started with just the fertilized cell. Okay. And you see, it goes from one cell, it divides to two, then the four, then the eight, then the 16, and the 32, and so forth. And then it makes this round ball of cells, like a blastula, we'd call it. And then all of a sudden, you start seeing cells kind of going in, like not an implosion, but they were just going in circling down in right so you had this long line here that's forming and cells just going down 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 and then and then it stops and then about a second later it's like a thudum. and then you could you can sense the heartbeat oh, kicking wow. in yeah wow there's the heart yeah because now it's starting to because all those cells that were going in, they all had directions built into their DNA. Okay. Now, here's the interesting thing now. This started from one cell. Yeah. And that DNA gets divided. Replicates. Is that replicates. What it is? Okay. That's, that's a very good word. It replicates. Yeah. And now you get two cells that can contain the same information. Right. But at some point in time... Certain cells just start to say, I need to move down here, and I need to start now being a heart cell right? than just a regular cell yeah. or a muscle cell or a skin cell, okay? So we have so many different cells inside of us, but it comes from one yeah. cell. It's like, wow. And the kids, I mean, they're like, and, then, and I said, and I hold it now. Watch this. And sometimes I'll stop the video a little bit yeah. and explain a couple of things. Now watch this. And I says, now get ready. 
you are fixing to see the spinal cord and the head and tail. Right. And they're like, what? And then all of a sudden, the salamander moved and the camera angle moved and voila, opened up. Here's the head. Here's the tail. It's just kind of wrapped in a little ball there. Yeah. And the kids are going, what? Right. Because they saw all the cells going inside. Yeah. They couldn't see what was going on the inside of that salamander. Yeah. Then the next thing they start seeing are those little black spots basically starting to pop up on the skin because that's starting to develop. Right. And inside, they have a really beautiful picture because the skin hasn't closed off. It's still transparent. Right. And you're starting to see liquid flowing from the table tail going all the way up to the head and, and kind of like making a U-turn right. and coming down the other side of the body, right. coming back down. All of this from DNA that's telling the cells this is what you were supposed to do. Right. And you're going to tell me <laughs> that this occurred randomly? Yeah. You got to be nuts. <laughs> but that's... You know, for most people, that's that's what they've been taught. That's what they've heard. That's what they accept, that it's possible for that to have happened that way. Um, you know, one of the things you said, and, and it was it was going to be either a topic I brought up, you know, later in this episode or perhaps <laughs> in the next, um, but I'll say it now. So you said, you know, one of the experiences um, in that video was this pop. There's this explosion almost mm-hmm. of, you know, the cells identifying, you know, what their next function is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one thing I was reading, so this is kind of going from that micro level of watching a single cell develop to a macro idea, um, the Cambrian explosion. And I was wow. reading, I was reading an article, um, about the Cambrian explosion. And so, and you'll have to correct me, right? Because you're probably more well-versed in this than I am, but, um, you know, we've got these different periods uh, that are listed scientifically in the mm-hmm. geological record yes. that identify, you know, what essentially w- what biological organisms existed at that time. So mm-hmm. Jurassic period, so on and so forth. The Cambrian explosion is best described to uh, a novice as myself as um, an unexplainable explosion of a variety of life forms that kind of defies the reasoning of uh, the time it takes for organisms to evolve according to natural processes. Does that sound about right? Yeah. So where does that line up in your biblical worldview, this Cambrian explosion? So science says that there's a sudden explosion of a a variety of life. Um, How do we have that conversation with someone who goes, yeah, that just happened. We can't really explain it. And then how does that line up with what you know because of your faith? Well, I think as you read through Genesis chapter 1, was it day 3, day 4, when he starts creating um, fish and animals that are in the ocean? Right. And they were teeming. They use this word teeming. Right. Which means... There is an overabundance. I mean, there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Well, God creates it, and they're there. Yep. Birds creates them, and they're there. Okay. Well, that's an explosion. Right. Then after that, he created animals. Yep. I mean, we get this idea sometimes that, 
okay, yeah, God created the animals like, okay, he, he, he made one cow here, and he must have made a female and a male cow, and that's it, and we're good. Right. And then he over here, he made a male and female pig and a male and female giraffe and um, a male eagle and a female eagle. I mean, I mean, our minds aren't grasping and a little explosion. Right. When you think of an explosion and you're, you're seeing all sorts of material. It's a just, massive event. Yes. Right. There's an explosion. There's stuff flying all over the place because there's a lot of it. Yeah. Right? Yep. That's what's happening here. And that's how you explain it. Now you're going to say, well, is the Cambrian period, is that the time that God created it? Well, man has created the periods right. based upon his idea of when this happened. Essentially, okay. yeah, a guess on the fossil record, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they do carbon-12 dating and things like that. So they're saying, okay, based upon this and if carbon twelve dating is accurate, which we don't know, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna step out in faith mm-hmm. to believe that this must be right because this way they don't have to explain that God's in the picture. Right. Okay, but that takes a. I, and I've heard this said by a lot of um, people that it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does to believe in God. Okay, well. That's what that's what they have to believe that all this is this is happening. Yeah, and I think either way, you know, that's one of the, part of the common ground that I try to find with someone that believes differently than I do when we have a conversation is we both have faith. Mm-hmm. Right? My faith is in the eternal existence of a creator. Mm-hmm. Your faith is in the eternal existence of some substance and yeah. electricity or you know whatever mm-hmm. it is. You know, the but where did it come from? And and I you know, I've shared this thought too. It's kind of like the two or three year old child that says, but why, but why, but why? <laughs> I know. Right. It's the same questions that we ask. Well, if that was the first thing that was here, where did it come from? Mm-hmm. And where did that come from? And mm-hmm. where did the thing that preceded it come from? Mm-hmm. And so we all have a faith mm-hmm. and regardless of what we believe started at all, we all have a faith that something has been here since forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, I'd like to find that common ground and then say, okay, so what's the thing that you think has been here since forever? And what's the thing that I think has been here mm-hmm. since forever? And we can have that conversation, but I think it's both faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and certainly, um, you know, modern Western science tries to eliminate the whole concept of faith, mm-hmm. right? That it's science alone, but eventually we get to that point where we have to agree that there was something here forever. There's something exactly. that was eternal. Exactly. So what what does the person that's not of a biblical mindset uh, understand about the Cambrian explosion? So the science tells us what there's this there's these there's these periods where there's this slow and incremental development of life according to natural processes, uh, but there's something different about the Cambrian explosion. What is well, I mean, what was what would your curriculum, right? What would the public school curriculum say about the Cambrian explosion? Well, for the most part, is it saying that um, between the environment, between what had like the foundation was already set, so that when they hit this time period, it allowed for this uh, bursting, this teeming of life to explode because. There wasn't predators to kill them, to reduce them. They had a plenty of food. They had the, 
the atmosphere, the environment, the biomes, every they need they had so the conditions were just right. Exactly, and that's the same kind of ideology they used with the Big Bang. Well, we had all of these things just right yeah. to cause this bang to for this to begin. Right. Okay, and so they're going to use the same ideology. Saying, and saying that this is the root foundation. All this stuff is eventually got in place, and boom, this is what happened. Now, at the same time, you also have the Jurassic period. Yeah. Right? And then at the dra- end of the Jurassic period, guess what? Where did all the dinosaurs go, right? right. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, and and so you can you can ask me the question then is, is well uh, – my understanding of the Bible, where would have all the dinosaurs go? Because I do agree there were dinosaurs on this earth, mm-hmm. okay? And they were walking on this earth, but it was all prior to Noah, and we know what happened there. They were not part of the group that got on the ark for whatever reason. And so it makes sense that, that's, that we find those fossils because to create a fossil, you have to ext- have extreme pressure, mm-hmm. and the highest levels of pressure on our planet are in the depths of the ocean, right? And with that, we see a lot of dinosaurs are curled up, because um, what happens is, is when they know they can't go any higher, there's nowhere else to go, then they, they, they give up. So they just lay down, curl up, and... The waters just rose over them, and then it got deeper and deeper over the pressure. And then also on top of that, we had soil now being dumped on top of them. Right, the sediment, that would, and which that is actually what increases pressure. Pressure, yes. Right. And, and so that pushes down on it. That's where, and, and people said, well, they'll ask me about the oil deposits then, right? Well, we had all these trees, right? We had these great forests. Well, now the flood came, and then, see, the, the deeps, the fountains of the deeps opened up. So you're having pressure coming up, pressure coming down. So it wiped out these trees, knocked them over, and some of them just got flat out buried in mud and sediment because there was a reshaping of our earth. Right. Okay? And, and now that caused that sediment on top of those uh, coniferous uh, woods, now it puts the pressure. Now we have diamonds, now coal and uh, oil. Okay. Okay. And so, in a, biblically speaking, we, we can't explain how these things worked. And we, you know, we go back here to the scriptures and p- find evidence, and this is our evidence here, that that can cause it. Right. Okay. Now, it's just up to the believer is you're going to believe this or not. Right. You know? And, and, and one thing that I always tell my students, because I'll say things like this, and they'll look at me like, oh, are you sure? I says, you know what? I don't ever want you to believe what I say. I want you to go home and research it yourself, mm-hmm. and then you'll find out it's true. And then you'll come back and say, oh, yeah, Mr. Omar is right here. He, <laughs> it's right there. I saw it. I did yeah. the research. Right. And that just confirms and so now it's more likely that they're going to listen to what I have to say right. and say, okay, yeah, he knows what he's talking about. And that's why I would tell anybody who's listening, don't, don't believe what I say. Right. You go back and research it, and you'll find it. Okay? And that's what we do even as Christians. You know, we could be, we're talking science. Hey, go back, read Genesis 1. Right. Does it make sense with what you know about science? Exactly. Yeah. 
you know, I, I went back and my, my wife got me a um, brand new Bible um, over Christmas. Um, it's called the Scriptures Bible. Yep. Uh, it, um, I really love it because it, uh, it uses uh, Yahweh and Yeshua in place of God and Lord and stuff like that. And, and I like that because to me, that's personalized who I don't just call God. I like saying Yahweh. That, that's like his name. It's, right. it, it, and anyhow... So I'm, I'm starting in Genesis chapter 1 again. So I'm going to read through here. Well, when it comes to Noah, you know, he, he locked up Noah in, in the boat seven days before the rain fell. Yeah. And then the rain fell. He, Noah was in that boat for almost 11 months yeah. by the time he got out. But because of this, everything's getting shaped and moved. Right. We have this idea that that Noah must have lived in the Middle East. Guys, he was on a boat for 11 months floating. Right. You tell me, is that boat going to stay stationary there for 11 months? Actually, he was there more like six months before it hit ground. But even six months. When was the last time you put a boat out in the open water and, have, and it's just going to sit there? No. Currents are going to move it. Yeah. So I don't know where they originally started from, but we know where he, he landed at. Yeah. And we don't know the whole shape of the world prior to that. Maybe when when some of this happening, the um, the continents starts splitting and moving far apart and things like that. Because all we know is just a great upheaval. I mean, the fountains of the, the deep open up yeah. and the heavens open up and all this rain. And when's the last time you watched a flood? It moves dirt. Oh, yeah. It moves sediment. It moves rocks. Anything in its path. That I've heard water, it said boom. that water's undefeated. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and so we don't know all the shape, but we know where it ended up. Yeah. Okay. And that's something that, to me, is like, wow, I hadn't noticed that before. Yeah. We don't know where they started. Because sometimes, you know, we see we have evidence uh, of Jewish evidence all around this world that's pre-everything. Sure. And we're going, how in the world did it get there? Yeah. Well, who knows? Could have been this. Right. Well, it's interesting um, what you said about, you know, having that conversation with your students. Don't just trust me. Go research it. Mm -hmm. uh, it reminded me of Acts chapter 17 um, when Paul is... Um, with the Bereans. Yes. And uh, the NIV says the Berean Jews were of, this is Acts 17, 11, Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Man. New Living Translation says it this way, and the people of Berea were more open-minded. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that the open-minded will hear the message and then they'll go, okay, let me go to the source material. Let me mm -hmm. see if this is, if we can corroborate this. Let's see if this actually makes sense. And I think that's a good spot for us to encourage our listeners as we wrap up is the idea that you can be open-minded mm -hmm. and still test things against Scripture. Mm -hmm. right? Open-minded doesn't mean I just accept everything that everybody has to say, right? But I'm, I'm willing to have the conversation. Yes. I'm willing to hear your thoughts. And then let's go back to source material. Yes. Let's go back to the truth. Let's go back to God's Word mm -hmm. and say... We can measure it against this. We can test it against this. We yes. can identify if it's truth. Yes. 
Man, that, that that's awesome. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Because our whole existence, I mean, we look through the scriptures. Right. Right? And that points us to a designer, a creator. Yeah. And it ends up pointing us to our redeemer. And then it will point us to our heavenly home. Yeah. And Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. an encouraging note to go out on. Isn't it? Though? Well, thanks, Carrie. You bet. Thank you. All right. <laughs>